0: Welcome to the Nutmeg podcast, a version of the Scottish football magazine for your ears. I'm Daniel Gray and this time I'm joined by the fascinating and entertaining Rangers WFC footballer Tessel Midak. Tessel began her career with Den Haag, then played for her childhood heroes Ajax before moving on to Manchester City, West Ham United and Fiorentina, representing the Netherlands national team 44 times along the way. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and deep gratitude to Hazel Gilder and Stephen Dunn. Join them via patreon.com slash nutmegfc. Issue 27 of Nutmeg magazine is out now. See nutmegmagazine.co.uk to get yours. 2016 Manchester City came calling for you what do you remember about about hearing about that and
1: well they actually came in 2015 to be precise right. Yes. yeah <laughs> um but um i was still um well i wasn't finished with my bachelor's um, degree yet and i thought well before moving abroad i need to have some sort of stability even <laughs> for later in life i need to have some sort of diploma here so uh actually said I'm really sorry but I um yeah I mm. can't come right no. n- yeah uh, join the team right now but uh luckily they they were still keen uh, yeah, a year after in 2016 and that's when um yeah so we I think we, had, we started having some conversations like uh, me and, and the head coach and the general manager and then I remember that he uh, so the head coach w- um, came over for an Ajax home game and afterwards we would meet in a hotel somewhere and have a, a conversation. And I thought, wow, is this really happening? This sounds so like professional all of a sudden. And that, I th- yeah, I thought it was, this only happened in the men's game, but here we are. Um, so yeah, I luckily had a, a very good game and I even scored. Um, and then afterwards met him at the hotel. And, um, yeah, he was keen on signing me and, and not... Um, not long afterwards, I went over to Manchester, saw the facilities, and was completely overwhelmed by the sheer size of um, of the of the training ground and the sixteen sixteen I think uh, pitches they <laughs> they had over there. Um, so yeah, that was a yeah a couple of months to get used to the idea, and then after the season, I uh, yeah announced my departure from Ajax and my um, yeah transfer to Man City, and it, it honestly felt like
0: yeah I was uh, I was living the dream. Had you been to Manchester before?
1: Um, other than that short trip to see the <laughs>
0: training ground, no. no. So I... Uh, I... So was you, previously, if you'd visited Britain, it was to London. and Had you been to watch a match here before?
1: Um, no. no, no. I've ju- I just been to London, I think, yeah. once. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: amazing, suddenly you're in Manchester. Watching Coronation Street, listening to Oasis, <laughs> wearing coats like this. Well, uh, playing for Man
1: City, uh, you can't really yeah. uh, get away from Oasis for a long time. So, yeah, i heard a lot of Oasis. Uh. <laughs> um, and Joy, like Joy Division was another Manchester mm-hmm. band. I remember in m- one of my first weeks there, like nice, one of my and friends and, was over. And nice and cheerful. And, yeah, well, yeah, very. Uh, but was like, yeah, now you have to you know, get, get into the history yeah. of Manchester a little That's bit more. So, right. uh, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely.
1: did all the cultural stuff.
0: What about the f- difference in the football? It was the different style of play different pace? S- um, seamless.
1: The st- well, the style of play it was still like I was used to it at Ajax: possession based, and um, yeah, we wanted to be dominant and play attra- attractive football whilst also um, yeah getting results. So to be fair, like the yeah the philosophy wasn't. Um, yeah, wasn't that that far removed from almost like Johan Cruyff's philosophy that you wanted to that we wanted to play good football uh, and then combine it, with with wins. Um, but yeah, there were differences in the in the playing style. Um, we had fullbacks that um, overlapped, or yeah, almost turned into wingbacks much more than I was used to. And we played with one sitting midfielder and two like uh, oh, higher up the pitch, yeah. rather than. A two and a one uh, we played with a one and a two uh, as a triangle in the, on the midfield so but i mean they were just yeah more like bit tactical details uh the, or tactical differences from ajax but i feel like the philosophy and the style of play um, was pretty similar but um yeah the, the the main difference was the yeah just the the intensity and the the tempo of training sessions and games um that was yeah something I've never experienced uh, i I'd, I'd not experienced in, in the Netherlands before so um, yeah I really it took all my energy and, and um, yeah to to be able to give it my all every single day in the training because the load was so much higher
0: mm. Do you like having fullbacks further forward as a midfielder? Or does, you know, it's someone easier to find someone to pass out wider, but presumably you have to do more work when they're stuck up there. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Well, at first I was like, yeah, I well they they scouted me for the six role, so the, rather than the the two eights or the tens right. up top. In the beginning, I was like, because we were so dominant as well in the league. I almost wanted to be like higher up the pitch more to impact the, mm-hmm. the game more. And I felt like as a six, you almost had to think defensively while we were, whilst we were attacking. So left fullback would go, right fullback would go. So we had two center backs and the six that basically had to stay. So I felt like a, a little bit limited in my decision making or freedom of <laughs> expression almost on the pitch. Um, cause sometimes I would see a gap, but I knew that I couldn't run into it because otherwise yeah. I, we would only have two players in the back um so but i mean in general i do like an attacking playing style and um it's actually yeah I'm trying to think the same yeah the same with range but we wouldn't necessarily have two fullbacks uh going up so i guess um if one fullback goes it gives me a little bit more um yeah freedom as a six to mm-hmm. to get on the ball um because there's another fullback there for secu- defensive security. Now we're going into <laughs> a lot of tactical details. Yeah. here. I don't know if the the general nutmeg <laughs> podcast listener uh, understands what I'm on about here. But <laughs> um, yeah. at sometimes at Man City, I felt like I was a little bit too. It was a bit boring. Like I was too. Yeah. yeah. I had to think too defensively,
0: and I wanted to be a bit higher up the pitch. Do you think you've, when you decide to stop playing, you've got many, many options open? to But if you did become a manager, would a Tesla Midag team? What would you be? All guns blazing, attack, total football—the classic cliche. <laughs> um, Midag ball.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, that would always be the goal. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, like there's no point for me anyway to, to, to play football and just to try and stop the opponent from scoring goals and then score from a counter, like f- that's for me, that's not where the beauty of the game lies um, so I guess I do have been influenced a lot by the Dutch uh, yeah, school uh, and the Dutch football culture in that I want, yeah, want to play attractive football um, whether it's, that's making like small triangles all over the pitch so you, there's lots of passes going on and um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if that necessarily means like everyone running <laughs> forward and you know only two in the back. But um, like ideally, yeah, you wanna you wanna play a high press so you win it higher up the pitch and yeah, you can create something. So
0: I think you should call it next goal wins football. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? We've of course missed out. I'd, I'd like to jump all over with with these things. That's fine. We've missed out the World Cup of 2015 and selection for the squad yeah what a moment
1: yeah, yeah absolutely to be honest it, it wasn't that much of a surprise that I was in the squad because I had been in the squad quite yeah consistently at least in the two years leading up to it um, but yeah when the sort of official announcement comes out and you know that you're yeah you made the squad and um, you're in all the official team photos mm. and the uh, um, yeah in, in the media leading up to the tournament then you're like wow this is really happening uh this is great <laughs> um it was our first ever world cup as well that we managed to mm. qualify uh, ourselves for um so yeah that was uh, an incredible moment uh it was in canada so the, unfortunately the timings weren't ideal for like t- uh, because of the time zones for for people watching uh, back home but yeah just the whole experience um yeah playing in a big tournament in canada and all the dutch sort of sports media being present as well that was a yeah new experience for for me and for for most of us
0: mm. and so from that high every football career is going to have lows and they often involve knees and injuries yeah. uh-huh. so progress at manchester city cut short by that good old a- acl yeah yeah what do you remember about that moment did you know? Because it's always niggles, there's always knocks. But did you know? Oh, this is bad. I
1: didn't. I, I wasn't sure. So there, there was a contact moment. Uh, it was against Reading away. I, I do remember it quite vividly. Um, so I stayed on the ground for quite a lot and uh, for 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 quite some time. So the referee yeah stopped the game and asked the physio to come onto the pitch. And apparently the first question I asked was, is everything still in there? Like, are all my ligaments still intact? And so he did all the tests and I went to the sideline and we did some jumping tests. And I was like, yeah, it feels all right, I think. A little bit strange, but I don't know. I think I can carry on for a little bit anyway. Uh, So I I kept on playing. um, But then I remember when I turned once, I was like, it just feels strange. So, yeah, got stopped off. Um got a little bit of swelling in it in the next days but um and i remember we had to stay so we played running away but then two or three days later we played another team down south um so we didn't even go up north back to manchester but we stayed down south but so before i could get a scan because we but yeah after those three days i still had that same sensation they were like okay let's uh, make a scan and see what's going on here like it, it was a couple of days later and i still didn't really know what was going on so it, it wasn't a case of knowing straight away wh- what was going on and the physio also didn't really yeah seem to have any acl suspicions um so when the results of the scan came back um yeah and he told me that i tore my acl i was in shock and to be honest he was in shock because he didn't know um that that could be one of the possible outcomes of this uh, scan um yeah and that's yeah that's when my world fell down or I don't know how to properly say that in English but um, yeah that was a a shock to me because that uh, was in May 2017 a month before the uh, Euros in my home country the Netherlands uh, would start Um, and yeah as every footballer knows uh, an ACL injury takes a, a very long time 9 to 12 months um is uh, at least uh, the current guideline in the Netherlands. Um so well I for sure wasn't going to be uh <laughs> ready for the for the euro so um yeah that was uh yeah very much uh, a shock.
0: talked with footballers before about the the mental side of long-term injury it is almost as hard as the the rehab isn't it yeah. being separate from the other players and things like that
1: yeah so you, you don't really feel part of the team anymore because you don't really you know you don't know what happened on the training pitch so you can't even join in the jokes or the yeah. uh, uh, like oh yeah when when this and this happened you're like yeah well i was in the gym <laughs> <laughs> nothing really happened there um yeah so yeah the mental side is, is definitely yeah a tough part yeah alongside trying to yeah like in the beginning you have to learn how to walk again um because an ACL reconstruction is pretty um yeah they do quite a lot in your knee there um so in order to almost teach your body like okay this new ligament in your knee it's um it, it, it's a bit of a fake ligament they usually use either your hamstring or your patella tendon or quadriceps uh, muscle you have to yeah your body has to learn that that is the new acl so uh it's yeah it's first of all incredible that that's an option and that you can come back from it Uh, like in the past uh, i think my uncle he he mentioned it like they used to call it a foot uh, a football knee so he had a football knee so he Probably tore oh, like his ACL as well or some other ligament. I don't think he ever <laughs> got it scanned, yeah. but like at at the time, that that just meant the end of your career. Yeah. Um, so at least, um, yeah, you can get back from an ACL now. But yeah. when you th- when you realize what they're ex- what the surgeon is actually doing, then you're like, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's it's yeah. not a small <laughs> it's not a minor uh, surgery yeah, here. Pretty incredible. Yeah.
0: So got yourself fit again and then swapped Coronation Street for EastEnders. West (laughs) West Ham, West Ham. Yeah. A a big change.
1: Yeah. Um, And I thought I was moving to London, but turns out I, yeah, sort of still lived in greater London, but... Um, the West Ham training ground was based in Romford, yeah. which is twenty kilometers <laughs> from the city center. Um, so yeah, uh, surrounded by um, people with Cockney uh, accents, uh, including our uh, head coach, by the way. Um, yeah, that was uh, another yeah, <laughs> the cultural challenge and football challenge and and, and uh, everything. And, and West Ham is a very yeah, it's a very long uh, yeah history and tradition in the game as well and I I, uh, I, I love the claret and blue shirts mm. and, and outfits um, yeah so that was uh, yeah another very cool <laughs> part of my football journey
0: yeah but then a second a second yeah I'm just to really be honest
1: it it that happened even bef- like that was a I thought you were just going to skip the second no
0: no we can, we can if you want let's <laughs> okay, no, go okay no we're gonna go because I almost like I'm, I'm it was a bit of a weird trial,
1: yeah it? no no that's fine I've talked about it uh, a good number of times, so it, yeah, I can talk about it. No issue at all. Um, but w- the reason I that I thought you were <laughs> you were gonna skip it uh, was that it's almost I was a bit in limbo, sort of, when it's like contract-wise right. when I re-injured myself. Um, so this was after my second year at Man City. Um, I had signed a pre-contract with West Ham, but I got injured sort of in, in a summer training camp with the Dutch national team. So I was out of contract for uh, with Man City, signed a pre-contract with West Ham, but it wasn't like an official contract yet. Um, we had obviously pushed for that, um, me and my agent, but um, yeah, they were just starting a professional women's team. So they still had to put, um, yeah, a lot of things in place and... Um, yeah, uh, so when I got injured at the national team, I was like, well, oh, that's a bit messy <laughs> um, because where am I gonna, going to do my rehab and where will I get my surgery and who's paying for it? Um, and I I very quickly knew that I wanted to do my rehab and surgery in the Netherlands this time because I had done my, both my surgery and rehab in Manchester and you refer to the the mental side of things i was like i i don't think i can do this again like in like abroad and especially when they're it's a new team a new setup they hardly have any medical Mm. like facilities in place like who's going to be the fisher who's going to be the doctor will i get like good medical care there and i need to make sure that this is taken care of properly now Um, not just for the remainder like the rest of my football career but just for life in general it would be nice to have a good functioning yeah. knee <laughs> uh, not just to yeah to play football but just to walk properly to bend to uh, i don't know run cycle um, so that was my main pri- priority um and yeah luckily we got it sorted in the end so i managed to do my rehab in amsterdam with a physio that i knew before and highly trusted and he only works with uh, with ACLs basically mm-hmm. because it's a very unfortunately a common injury not just in professional football but in amateur football as well so he yeah this guy Matthijs van Keulen he sees around 200 knees or ACLs a year so he has lots of experience with it and um yeah that that gave me the confidence and trust that he he would be the right guy to um yeah to to get it right and hopefully for good this time yeah. um and in the end we found a construction for like work that worked with West Ham as well even though it was yeah complicated uh, contract wise and um so i feel like i only joined west ham the season after so i i joined them about eight or nine months into my second rehab around march um 2019 this would have been uh and then i only started playing games for west ham in the the season afterwards the 2019 2020 season so um, even though I've been under contract with West Ham for two years, it felt like th- yeah th- that last year uh, I've actually I've I've actually played and yeah. been on the pitch. So yeah. Um, yeah, hence why I thought you skipped it over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, a, a trade union rep, the PFA rep for footballers. Was it in that time that you realised how precarious a footballer's life can be, or have you always been someone that wanted to stand up? For for the employee, for for the rights of the worker, I'm showing my true political colours <laughs> <but>, <know. laughs> here.
1: Yeah, that, that's all right. Then uh, <laughs> I'm liking your political colours. Um, <laughs> um, no, nah, I think I've, I, yeah, I've always find find it important that we that we had the right, um, yeah, circumstances as as as, as footballers. Um, and yeah to be honest that's always been something that you yeah have to think about or, or worry about um especially in the women's game you've signed very short term contracts and um, uh, at ADO and at Ajax I didn't get paid enough to to live um, from so um yeah we've I've been in many like leadership groups um, for different clubs uh, before in order and we always try to yeah improve the the facilities and the yeah, the, the medical provisions and and the salaries <laughs> to be honest to try and um, get people earning at least a national minimum living wage which uh, which for many teams was already a bridge too far um, so uh, yeah uh, but I, I i guess coming back to your question the the fact that i got injured whilst being out of contract even more so than before made me realize how yeah precarious um well life of a footballer is. Um but especially when uh, yeah the you know, uh, when the contracts doesn't don't necessarily yeah give you that um legal and medical backup because in in we used to assign standardized contract contracts in uh, in the WSL, the, the English league and um i think it's in in all of our contracts it said that the club um is allowed to stop paying your salary after six months of injury um and knowing that an acl injury takes nine to 12 months that already puts you in a very vulnerable position so like who's going like what are you going to do with your bills if they decide to stop paying you after six months um so yeah um i've recently become more involved with the PFA but I guess it's been always it's always been um yeah on my radar
0: yeah (laughs) and soon afterwards Tuscany Fiorentina was that a a life decision more than a more than a a footballing one I mean Romford's beautiful um, (laughs) obviously yes (laughs) but was was, or was that a pure did you think I want to go and see what it's like to play out there and was there a big life? I often wonder what the balance is with a footballer's decision because to a, to a, to a non footballer, it's like, can I work in Italy for a year? Yes, please. Well,
1: to be fair, it was probably yeah, uh, more of a life decision than than, yeah. uh, than a football decision, even though um, the, the, the football part um, was that I wanted to try a new league and play against new opponents. So I played for Man City um, or been with Man City for two years, West Ham for two years. So... I, felt like um, yeah, I knew the clubs and the grounds and the opponents, so uh, I did want to challenge myself like from a football point of view and and play like different systems and styles of of football because Italy has their yeah you just m- mentioned before we started doing this broadcast that you um read a, a book ultras on, yeah, on yeah, italy's yeah, uh, fan, culture, yeah. fan culture, but um yeah they they really have their own uh unique football history so i i was Keen on learning a bit more about that, but I I have to be honest. The prospect of living in Florence for at least a year um, was very appealing as well, uh, combined with the uh, the weather, the food, the language, um, all the rest of it. The beautiful purple shirt, Uh, (laughs) La Viola. Um, Yeah, it's a a combination of factors. But I, uh, yeah, I also felt like well, after two difficult injury years, and this opportunity arose, I was like why not um i don't know how long i will be able to play football for but at least i will have lived in florence for a year so yeah, yeah. it p- probably was um more of a life decision than yeah. oh. oh.
0: similar question was there a difference in the style of of, of football
1: um yeah um but i couldn't really tell you that (laughs) the exact style because we (laughs) we changed almost er uh, every week (laughs) so i guess the difference was that we were very flexible (laughs) and versatile um but uh yeah what i liked about our coach was that he um yeah had a very like he he focused a lot on the technical side of things so we actually we did a lot of very fun like technical drills um that's almost like brought me back to my young youth Mm. um early youth where yeah it was just yeah you and a ball and trying to um find ways to um, eliminate your direct opponent Whereas in the years before, I was with Man City and West Ham, we we talked about structures and mm. um, yeah, passing lanes and angles to receive blah blah blah. But yeah, yeah, here we at Decent training we got back to yeah, some of almost like Johan Cruyff basis, a bit, a bit of, more
0: poetry, yeah, after the science, yeah, yeah, exactly
1: like individual skills to try and beat your opponent. Yeah, um, so yeah, it, it, it brought lots of uh, yeah, new football insights. Mm. So that was and, cool. And
0: quite the place for you to live as someone who loves history to be among Florence.
1: Yeah honestly what a beautiful place and um, it was a bit of a weird year so, so that was the two two thousand twenty 2021 season so still a Covid year so most of the museums and um, yeah other historical buildings buildings were closed um, but luckily Florence is still beautiful to walk through just to for, uh, just admiring the buildings from the outside um, but it also meant that there were hardly any tourists so yeah. it felt like i had uh, yeah the city to myself and to the other yeah people <laughs> from from florence um so that yeah i don't know it was very uh, yeah special experience and i recently got back to florence and um yeah I've never seen so many people around the the Duomo, and but that's yeah, that's what's usually the case. So, um, yeah, I've I've definitely immersed myself into the history of Florence, even though I couldn't go into every single building. Um, but even just cycling around the yeah the Arno River, um, walking like up uh, yeah in, into the hills. Um, so I lived on literally one of the yeah the outskirts of Florence where. Um, if if you would walk like 50 meters like down our streets you would officially be out of Florence but you could go straight into the hills where you'd have a beautiful view um, of Florence and the uh, the big dome and the sunsets and the sunrises were just incredible so um, yeah uh, every time that I if, if I felt like uh, I needed it or I had a bad day or it wasn't in a good mood I would just walk up there sit down on one of those stone walls and just admire the views and be like, well, can't really complain now, can I? <laughs> I get paid to play to play football, and this is uh, this is
0: where I get to live. Yeah. yeah. And through missing the tournaments, the Netherlands tournaments, through these injuries, you began to do media work. So how have you found that transition? Do you enjoy telling stories about the game, or are you just desperate to run on and tackle someone?
1: Um, well. I, I, I love telling stories about the game, but I feel like the the commentary work that I did was more uh, like uh, telling what you see. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there are lots of different types of media. So this is much more in depth than I would uh, than what I've done on, on on TV and radio, just analyzing almost. Um, but I do like, uh, talking about football just because it's, yeah, one of my biggest passions in life. So, um, yeah, whether that's, um, with or without microphones or cameras, uh, it, it's something that I enjoy doing and I don't really get nervous for it. I'm quite natural at it. So that makes it like an, yeah, an enjoyable experience. Um, even though I do, I, I remember, like I struggled a little bit last summer, uh, when we, um, we had the, the Euros in England when they wanted my opinion on uh like the coach and and players and they really like they were out there um or they almost wanted a little bit of um like controversy yeah a bit of gossip bit of exactly and um, i'm almost like that's when i realized like maybe i'm too nuanced for this type of media or or just not too interested in that, yeah, in that side, side of yeah of yeah. yeah commentating on the game um so hence why that's, that's how we know each other through like the creative media course from the uh, offered f- uh, or funded by the PFA, yeah. by PFA Scotland. Thanks PFA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, partly because I'm yeah curious to see what, what else I would be able to do from a media point of view. Um, but giving a bit more room for my, yeah, for my thoughts on the game rather than, yeah, common, like having like quick one liners on whether the coach should stay or not, yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, I, uh, uh, despite the the gossipy uh, element to it, I enjoy doing the media stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we, the, we've talked about life reasons for going to Fiorentina, how about Rangers? I mean, life
1: reasons, obviously, Glasgow, yes. have you seen yeah, it? Yes. It's a beautiful yes. city. So,
0: <laughs> so apart from, apart from the, 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 draw of, of, of Somewhere different, somewhere completely different. It, did it feel like an exciting time in the women's game here? To, when you when they when they mentioned it to you, was is that was that the right emotion to 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 sum it
1: Not necessarily. I, I think the, the excitement here, like as in as a result of the Euros in England, or, or like with the, but more of, for me personally, of an excitement of trying again, trying a new league. Um, Scotland's part of the UK but it has their own league it has their own uh has its own um yeah history and its people Mm -hmm. so like a return to England wouldn't have appealed to me for the the same reasons I decided to move out of England and to be fair I didn't hadn't really expected to come back to the UK (laughs) um but it's also sometimes just the way uh life Mm -hmm. and football goes and um yeah i got a, a message and then later on a phone call from one of my uh, one of the coaches that i knew from my time at man city uh, he's a scottish guy kevin murphy and he moved to moved back to scotland to um, work for rangers and he asked me if i would be keen to move uh, uh, keen in a move to uh, rangers in scotland and uh, yeah after our conversations i got excited about yeah the the project that rangers had started with its women's team and i felt like they were having the right professional approach um yeah to the women's team so um then in my mind i framed it as a yeah another new challenge and and also almost like a new cultural challenge because um i've played with uh, actually with scots um uh, both at Man City, at West Ham, and at Fiorentina, uh, and I thought, yeah, I do feel it. Uh, that the Scots are a little bit different, so um, I was interested in in learning a bit more about that as well, about the mm-hmm. cultural and historical historical side of yeah. things. So um, again, a bit of a both life and football uh, decision, but this one more <laughs> more football decision than yeah. anything, because uh, yeah, just felt like the 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 setup and the structure and the 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 way they played and the and the role they envisaged for me um because in the end no matter what the life and football uh, yeah like there's a lot of factors to sort of take into consideration when you make a move but the main thing is are you going to play week in week out and uh, it seemed like they would be able to offer me that um and then uh, yeah i just in in general got a good feeling with with the whole project, so um, yeah, that's why I uh, decided to make a move to to Glasgow. Mm. Well, I hope it,
0: uh, after this interview, you will, we will speak again, despite the probing into your knee injuries. But oh we'll, so we'll, no, worries we'll, talk, we'll talk more no, no. about Rangers on on that occasion. So to to wrap up, though, you you've hinted there that the, it's all in the end about the game, about kicking that ball around. I, as I've mentioned to you before, love to write about the small delights of, of mainly of being a fan, but some of them are about the physical process of the game itself. What would be some, some of yours, that type of thing? I think we talked about once before about your love of the putting a zip on a pass, and when a ball goes across the surface like that, still gives you the, the, the girlish joy that you had when you were eight. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so whether it's a zip on a pass or even just a quick one two because that really gets me back to to my youth bo- like bouncing the ball off my primary school wall so just a successful and crisp like one two pass um yeah that just still gives me uh, yeah the simple delight uh, uh the simple enjoyment uh, of the game that I yeah i had as a very young girl and i still have um mm. at age 30 so yeah i don't know how to, to describe it whether it's it's a bounce pass or a one-two pass or just yeah just having having control feeling that feeling of i'm in control of what is what i'm going to do with with this ball right now yeah. that um yeah that, that's still even this morning in training uh had a couple of moments where i felt like yeah i'm hitting the ball exactly how i wanted to hit it and it's going yeah according to plan and uh that there's a lot yeah many many hours of training um that that went into it but if it um yeah if it works out perfectly if you have that nice one two combination then yeah that's uh one of those small moments of happen- happiness that i live for <laughs>